When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, fabulous Friday. And I say it's a fabulous Friday because we had great news overnight, didn't we? Uh, Roger Tuavasa-Shek is uh, coming back to the Warriors. That's Warriors fans, of course. Blues fans uh, might have a different perspective on it. Uh, he was uh, very popular within that franchise as well. He's still there, uh, and he's still in the All Black squad as well for the World Cup. So plenty to happen before he actually throws a, a Warriors jersey back on. Uh, but we'll talk to Cameron George, this Warriors CEO, uh, very shortly on how this uh, came about uh, and the process uh, of which um, getting Roger Tuavasa-Shek back to the club. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll have uh, Bill Robertson on. Now, Bill is Napier City Rovers' first team coach and club manager. Big news coming out of uh, the club. They've been gifted by Rodney Green, a benefactor here in Hawke's Bay, $500,000. Um, as almost a 50th anniversary present, to be fair. They've just celebrated that. Uh, what do they do with that kind of money? It <laughs> doesn't very help, often happen to clubs, does it? To be fair, panel uh, this morning, Sam Ackerman and Ben Strang. A uh, number of issues to talk about. Sammy will be big all over the rugby league and RTS. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we'll have a stump smithy at uh, around 11.30 this morning. Uh, we'll also talk to Robbie Deans. Very, very crucial uh, interview. This with Robbie Deans. Uh, it's been a while catching up with uh, what's happening in Japan for Robbie. He's been ultra successful with his club. Um, but what's on the horizon for him? Does that uh, where he's going to finish his coaching career? Opportunities are abounding back home all of a sudden, aren't they, it seems. Michael Guerin at uh, 11.45 this morning to talk about uh, his shows over the weekend and the possibility of uh, a tip or two in the harness racing side of things. Really busy, and then we'll hand over to Sammy Hewitt just before midday. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, good business. That's how come Roger Tuavasa-Shek will be back wearing Warriors strip next season. The often vilified Warriors front office surely deserves some serious credit here to foster a guy's dream in another code, let leave the door openly ajar should it not become a reality. Remember when RTS left the club, it was openly with their blessing and early in a COVID return window. They even though they were losing their number one man, facilitated that move. No strings, no hurdles, done in good faith and with best wishes. So when RTS has uh, his rethink, that door was already open because it had never been slammed behind him. Relationships were maintained, lines of communication remained open. It's a good story about good business and all about a club reset and another perfect reason for this current crop wanting to be out there, stay out there, with a positive intent. I mean, who wouldn't want to be shoulder to shoulder with RTS? The man is a pretty good rugby player, but he is a bloody brilliant league player, and it will probably take him half a training session to transition back. You don't win the Dally M if you're a Muppet. You win it because you're a great and a really competitive market. 
It's a really good example of this, that when you lose someone you don't want, you don't want to lose, you bite the bullet, keep the frustrations inside, and stay away from burning those bridges, sacrificing the short term in the hope of the long term. It's not a love story, although we're all going to love having the great man back. It's a business story. Good business. That's what it is. And how appropriate this news comes at a time of remembrance when our older, most of whom have passed Anzac, stood shoulder to shoulder for the sake of those to follow. That's us, folks. And lest we not forget this weekend and over the next few days, we remember those that gave so much. Well, yesterday the news broke that the Jewel International and 2018 Dally M winner Roger Tuovasa-Shek is returning to the game that made him a household name and a superstar with the one New Zealand Warriors in 2024. It's just such good news and awesome headache to have. Where they're going to play him? I mean, uh, that's just in the future and that's uh, for the likes of Andrew Webster to deal with. But the fact of the matter is he's back. Uh, he had a crack at rugby. Um, it's still not over. He's still got things to do in the game. But at the end, uh, he's returning. And uh, we're all, I think, the better for that, including the man that's uh, on the phone right now. Uh, good morning to you, Cameron George, CEO of the Warriors. Morning, Smithy. This is uh, wonderful news. Uh, I think it, it surprised a few people. Um, when, did you, when did you seal the deal and, um, and how did it come about, uh, to be honest, the process? Because it's, it's not just happened overnight. No, certainly not. Look, it's been a, you know, it's been a, a long conversation, so to speak. Um, it's just got broader and broader over the last couple of months. But, you know, sat down with Roger Management, Sort of in and around before Christmas, after Christmas, Webby and Cappy uh, got involved as well, and um, but we were very respectful and appreciated Roger's situation and his commitment to rugby, and uh, we just let that unfold and give him his space and just let him know that we're there if he wishes to explore our option, um, and that just gradually over time you know, took place and. Webby and uh, Cappy outlaid our plans uh, from a footy sense with the club and I did the commercial side of things and, yeah, it just worked in, in our favour on this occasion and, you know, it's, it's great to have Roger back uh, next year but he's got a hell of a lot of work to do this year to represent New Zealand where he can in rugby so wish him all the best for that. Yeah, absolutely we do and that's why I find it quite interesting that it's, it's now with so much business um, undone, so to speak. So... Why do you think now that the decision was made, and why do you think the uh, why was the announcement like now, right in the middle of uh, the work he's about to do? I think it just demonstrates to you, Smitty, um, sort of the caliber of person Roger is. Like he's he's professional. Um, he doesn't, you know, he, he wouldn't like to live two separate lives. You know, he wants to be honest. He's transparent. Um, he explored the option. He thinks it's his best option for him and his family. And he just wanted to tell his employers that now so they can plan. Uh, his teammates, most importantly, so they knew, so they didn't you know, hear it through sort of other platforms or channels. And then thirdly, it allowed us uh, as a footy club to plan for next year as well with our you know, salary cap and the recruitment and retention of players. And he's just certainly a big draw card. And if we want to have the best team next year, having Roger's name out there as part of our club will help us attract uh, any other player that we wish to go after. 
How does that affect the cat, Cameron? Oh, look, everyone everyone has a cat to play by, and um, you know we're very comfortable where we're at with uh, with our deal, and um, you know we just move on. We're, we've still got space in our cap to keep exploring options, and um, you know Webby and Andrew the Cradden and I continually talk about what we're doing and where we're going, and it's a moving target. But um, at the end of the day, we're very comfortable with the with the position we're in as a footy club. Okay, so um, obviously um, you're not going to sit still on this one. Um, you've got other projects in mind under that cap? Yeah, of course. It's you know we just want to be the best version of uh, the NRL footy team we can be, and we're doing that by doing two things, Smitty. That's investing significantly uh, in the junior pathway system. That's all coming together really, really well, um, and look, that'll have a flow-on effect over the next. You know, and start probably two or three years' time, you'll see all these young kids coming to our system into the NRL. But between now and then, there's a bit of a transition period. So we've still got to consider, you know, offshore players if, if they're the right fit for our footy club. Um, we're very, very uh, strict on our, um, you know, on our player criteria around the characteristics, what we want, um, and the type of person we want. That is mm. our sort of first position we've got to take. And then... You know, Webby and Cappy really look into the detail of their playing performance and history and, and so on. So we're still looking, but it's a moving target. But we're also hopeful we can get kids to spring up really quickly through our system. That's an interesting uh, decision as well from Roger Tuovasa-Shek. Now, uh, as a former supposed player, um, you, you look at the environment you're about to go to or possibly thinking about going to. I don't imagine for one second he would have considered going to um, a Warriors group at the end of last season, which, to be fair, um, had a lot of question marks over it. Uh, he must have been encouraged by, one, the efforts of, of Andrew Webster, two, the performance of the team, surely. Yeah, 100%. Look, when Roger, Roger departed the club, it was for good reason. He wanted to go and explore and, a journey in, in rugby union. That, that was an interest of his, and we supported him through that, to be honest. And... and Look, admittedly, I put my hand up, you know, we were at rock bottom in the middle of that disaster over in Australia and I couldn't hold a man that was a family man that had other aspirations to our club at that point, hence why he got the early release. So at the end of the day, um, you know, he's watched us from afar. He, he knows getting home how important that is and the response our players are showing in that environment. And you couple that up with the changes we made around coaching and and, and recruitment and retention strategy and the reconnection of our pathways and to our fan base, it's a hell of a different situation to where, where he left. And I think he's really enjoying what he's seeing, but with a long way to go, but he's, he's certainly been inspired by what Webby's doing, along with all the other staff and players. When he left, and it's appeared very amicable from the outside, you facilitated the move, you helped him uh, transition back, to, or back across the Tasman, back to, to rugby as such. Was there ever a, um, a firm like, if you ever think about coming back, uh, could, could we be the first option? Was there anything of that nature discussed? No, mate, not really, because, look, it's a respect thing. He, he's, a, he's a man first and foremost and a husband and a father. And in those times, we couldn't, we couldn't ignore that. And, and also, his interest in coming back early was to allow him to get back into rugby earlier. Otherwise, he would have been stuck in Aussie. So... Mate, it was simply a handshake and a hug. And I just said, mate, all the best. Get home, get to your family, be happy, and we'll keep in touch. Um, because I think it was handled really respectfully from both sides, Rog and the club, 
uh, I think all those lefters in you know, a really good speed, um, you know, if anything was to ever come up again. But that wasn't a promise. That was just the way in which we managed it. And I'm just glad, looking back now, that we did do it that way because I'm sure at some stage, Lodge may have you know, remembered how both parties handled it. Did you re-sign him on the basis having a... Um, and along with Andrew Webster um, and, of course... Uh, you know, the, the other people involved, did you sign him with a position in mind or you just signed him as an entity as such, knowing his versatility? Webby's got a plan. Uh, I've heard it. Yeah, and, and it's a really good plan, the way he's sort of building for next year and, and looking at next year. And, mate, he'll elaborate on that in due course. But um, he understands in his mind what he wants to do. And, and I think he's definitely spoken to Roger about that and certain other players. And... Um, you know, it is exciting in the style and, and what he wants to build and play next year with the inclusion of Rog. And it will be the best 17 players we'll have in our club on that field bar and injury. And it'll be an exciting style of footy. Right. Uh, we've, our text machine's gone hot. As you can, this is huge news. And we're massive on the Warriors here, of course, uh, at SENZ. So uh, questions like... Um, uh, Smithy, can you ask Cameron if they still have enough money for a marquee prop, which is what they need? This has come from Mark. Yeah, Mark, um, you know, obviously uh, the cap's a cap, but we, we have been strategically positioning ourselves to be able to achieve some purchases like Rog and others, and, uh, yeah, we're still in a good position. Uh, marquee props vary. Uh, they're hard to find, but at the end of the day, uh, it's not like we've closed the shop now. We're, we're still we're still in the shop window. And, um, you know, we'll just wait and see what happens. And there's a lot of water to go on the bridge before the end of the year. Sean Johnson is another name. Obviously, his form has been sparkling uh, at this point in the season. Uh, it was a headline last week about uh, the re-signing or the future of Sean Johnson going forward. Um, that's another one that is uh, frequently coming through our system here, Cameron. Now, what's the situation with Sean? Yeah, fair call. Look, you know, Sean's the happiest he's ever been. And how good is it? And look what he's doing. Um, and we're enjoying just, you know, him and Webby got such a great working relationship. They're transparent, they're open, they're honest. They have their own discussions. They know what they're doing, where they're going with things. And look, let Sean be Sean. There's no, we don't need to stress him out about any decisions and vice versa. And he's enjoying it and playing well. So while he's doing that, we're, we're supporting him uh, on his journey. Right. Um, Anzac Day game is another thing. Are we due one on the side of the Tasman at some point? Shit, yes, Smithy. Come on, mate. It's time we get one game back over here to represent the Anzac Day. Um, I've been blowing up about this for, you know, a few years. And, um, you know, it's time that the NRL start to bring that content over here and acknowledge this game in this country. Like, we pour so much into it. Like, and look at the announcement of Roger Tuivasi's check. What that's done for the game of rugby league, not only in this country, but in general. And, you know, I call on the NRL to explore every opportunity to bring content here. You know, I've asked them even as late as three months ago, four months ago, five months ago on a monthly basis. Let's have a magic round over here for the NRLW. You know, why not? Let's plan it. Let's get it. Let's get into it. Um, so the Anzac Day game, it's time we have one here. But first and foremost, it's time we go over there and win on Tuesday night. It is, and that is a, a tough call on the basis of um, exercising the demons of this particular fixture from last year, uh, Cameron, but obviously the team in much better shape to do just that. 
Well, they are, but it is, you know, it's a task that we've failed in quite, quite badly, to be frank, over the last few years. And, um, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a good squad that's in a good mindset and, uh, you know, they're playing well, uh, but that doesn't gift you anything when you go there on this night. So, you know, the guys have got their plan. They've got to train hard over the next few days and uh, they go there with their tails up and give it every chance they've got to win it. The surgery to, to Mighty Martin um, is of interest to the people of, as well, uh, obviously, and uh, Wade Egan's fitness as well. I know their personnel and playing type issues, Cameron, but particularly on um, on those two players who uh, people are very, very interested, of course. Yeah, T um, had an operation earlier in the week um, with his ankle. Um, so he's, you know, he's around that eight to ten week mark, I think, at this stage. Uh, so you know, all things going equal, you know, it, it could be about that ten ten week mark. Um, and look, Wade, it was poor, you know more of a cautionary measure with um, with the most recent head knock. Uh, the extra week because we've got a short turnaround from Melbourne in the Sunday's game with the Roosters. So um, I think it's it's a smart play because it allows him to come fresh into that game where both teams are coming off a five day four day turnaround. So it's pretty it's pretty important to have some freshness in our legs then. Lot made, uh, Cameron, and, and fair enough too on the, the culture of the club and the reasons why you play and the reasons of you know people's upbringing, etc. When it comes to Anzac Day, do, do the, the players have an awareness um, of this of the symbolic nature of Anzac Day? Absolutely, it's you know it's a special part of our footy club uh, because we have people connected to our footy club that it, it's you know been so so special in their lives as well. So. Look, we don't promote a lot of stuff we do within it, but um, we certainly do things this week to acknowledge um, the occasion and the people involved and uh, in remembrance. Uh, it's very important for our players to take that onto the field with them. Cameron George, uh, congratulations. Uh, uh, it's a massive coup, there's no doubt about it. It certainly got uh, our station uh, really fired up with uh, all the news about it. It's just great reaction all around. So well done on that. Uh, congratulations on uh, leaving the, the, the pathway open for a, a smooth return. Uh, it's just been, a good, uh, for me, a good business story as much as anything else. Uh, well done, mate. All the best. Uh, let's hope uh, Tuesday goes good, eh? Thanks, Smitty. Thank you. Cheers, uh, Cameron George, the CEO of the Warriors. Uh, yeah, and that is the big news over the last uh, 12 hours or so. Uh, it came through. Uh, I was in the pub last night, I'll be honest, and uh, there's a few Warriors boys uh, who support uh, and the news. Uh, I mean, it just made the pub light up, to be honest. Uh, the smiles on the faces of some of these guys who are enjoying the season anyway to know that um, next year in particular, they have a player of that calibre returning to the club regardless of how rugby goes this this year and uh, whether he makes um, the All Blacks um, for the World Cup is, is an interesting thing. In fact, Ricardo, uh, quite a nice talking point, for, I think, for people to come in after 9.30. Do you think, uh, folks, this will have any impact on what Ian Foster and the selectors um, will be thinking going forward? Or, or um, because Ian Foster's last project is the World Cup, uh, would it worry him where Roger Tuivasa Sheik's going the day after? I, I don't think it would. So um, if he's in their plans, will he stay in their plans, Ricardo? I think that's interesting. Where would you play Roger Tuivasa Sheik uh, when he comes back to the Warriors? All of those issues, Ricardo, after 9.30? Yeah, definitely, Smithy. Definitely get into those. I, I mean, if we look at what New Zealand rugby have done in the past, I, I look at Charles Piertau, right? He was very much in the mix for the All Blacks. Before a World Cup, in a World Cup year, he announced he was going to go move to Bristol. 
he fell out of the frame completely. They just didn't look at him. And I, I, I get the feeling they'll do the same with Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Right, okay. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, so we shall uh, take your calls after 9.30 on that. Uh, in the meantime, we'll take a quick break uh, here on SENZ. Equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Cheating is not good for the mental game at all. And I did actually, my job, I don't know if it's cheating or not, but my job in the black caps because um, sugar shines up the ball really well. So I used to field it mid-on and mid-off if I wasn't under the helmet, and I had a sweet tooth, so I was an ideal person for the job. I would eat the lollies. So my job was to eat lollies all day. It's why I've had every tooth in my mouth actually rebuilt since then. Um, But I would eat the lollies and then shine the ball, especially those English ones, Mm. especially when you're over. It always had to be imperial mints, the mints that did the best job. Uh, And my job, yeah, was to eat the lollies and shine the ball. So it happens. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not really cheating, though, is it? And we also lost a game on purpose against South Africa so that we could knock Australia out of the competition. Is that not cheating? I don't know. That's it's, just sort of foul play, isn't it? Yeah. You're meant to play to win, but we were sort of playing to lose to win the whole competition. So I think that's okay. You reckon that's okay? Is yeah. that okay? Is that okay, Smithy? It's manipulating a, um, a competition um, to your own... End, I suppose. Uh, look, I, I remember that game. Um, I remember that game very, very well. Um, I was working in the commentary box. Didn't go down too well. I can promise you that. Um, you know, because uh, that was effectively knocking Australia out of their own gig. Um, and that's not good, as you well know, Ricardo, for ratings. It's not good for crowds <laughs> when Australia aren't in the final of their own comp. Um, so I, I, can, I remember it well. But it was done um, because at the time, I'm led to believe, uh, because they felt Australia was the greatest threat. Um, and, and so, therefore, they thought uh, our best chance of winning this is to have them out of the joint. So, uh, yeah, uh, it happened. Um, I wouldn't think it would be uh, well and truly a good idea to publicise it too much, and I, I wouldn't think you'd want to do too much of it these days because uh, they take a very dim view of it. Um, but it was remarked upon in the commentary box. And uh, then again, you just turn around and look at, um, I'm pretty sure it, it might have been Channel 9 back in the day. So there's some heavyweight commentators in there, but you just sort of turn around and um, just mimic a, an underarm delivery and they, they sort of left it alone for a while. <laughs> or sort of... <laughs> so to be perfectly honest, um, I'm pretty sure Stephen Fleming was the captain back then. Uh, crafty man, worked it all out. Uh, as opposed to rigor shining the the ball, that yeah, that was uh, uh, it's a role. I mean, you know, it's not sandpaper like, but certainly it was using a, an outside device uh, to knowingly in, improve the condition of the ball. Is that cheating? And these days, it is. Um, yeah, absolutely, it is. It's not quite. I mean, you, you struggle to eat a piece of sandpaper that wouldn't taste as good as the imperial mints. But at the at the end of the day, you're using an outside substance or an outside surface to try and enhance uh, the the condition of the ball to suit your bowlers better. So, yeah, they look at everything now. I can promise you um, when there are cameras all around the place looking at people, they follow the ball, um, the, the, the path of the ball from the time it gets to the wicketkeeper's gloves to first slip across the gully, uh, out to mid-off, down to mid-off, uh, to, to cover to mid-off, back to the bowler. And there are people studying the, the path of the ball just to see if it doesn't stay in someone's hands a little bit too longer than it should. 
and to what they're actually doing with that ball along the process. So it's an interesting one, Ricardo. Uh, yeah, um, but that yeah, rig was part of it. It's all part of that. In fact, he'd be central to it. I wouldn't mind betting it was his bloody idea. There you go. 9.31 here on SCNZ. It is uh, 9.34 here on SENZ. We'd love your calls on this uh, Roger Tuovasashek issue 0800-150-811. Yes, Sir Roger Tuovasashek, not quite a drifter, uh, but he went down another road and found that um, it wasn't uh, as appealing as he thought it might be, and uh, now he's come back to his, uh, his home as such. So we'd love your calls on that. Uh, you're feeling there, would you consider him for the uh, Rugby World Cup now? Um, you know, with uh, his intentions uh, quite um, obvious and open. Uh, or if you're uh, Ian Foster, is he still part of your plans? Because at the end of the World Cup, Ian Foster uh, is out of rugby in terms of the All Blacks as well. So does he look at him in that light? So uh, let's uh, begin it with Dean this morning. G'day, Dean. What's your reaction to this? Uh, outstanding. I think the way the media will handle it, and then more importantly, the way Roger has handled it. Obviously, Cameron George, I heard him here this morning on your show, and yeah, very, very good. Um, it's perfect. Like I, I wish him all the very, very best. Like you can't in New Zealand, Smithy. We can't put a knife in someone's back for having a go. We're a real good country at cutting you off at the knees when you do real well. But you know, we got to, you got to support him. And I wish him all the very, very best in league. It's an interesting time to be coming back there. To be brutally honest, like I look at Raids are taking over the All Blacks, and he, he's, he can't lose. But Roger going back to the Warriors, this could all go. It'd be interesting space to watch because they are going very, very good. And when he left, they were going very, very bad. And he was the main dog by a long, long way. Wasn't even a close second as to who was their next best player. And he was a captain too, I believe. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But no, I wish him all the very, very best. He's tried. He's as fit as a buck rabbit. He's got unbelievable skills. They just don't fit 12. I would have loved to have seen him come to Union on the wing and see what he could do there. Because for me, it would be head and shoulders by now better than a few we've got running around in the black jersey. Won't mention any names. But uh, defensively outstanding. It's just a real hard read at 12 and 13. With It's not like the old days when I played and there was another 12 in front of you. You've got some talented seven, a bloody prop that can pass off both feet now. It's like, it's changed. So it's a real hard read. It was a hard gig and he gave it his best shot. And you know what? He never once complained. Never once did the media, did I hear anything written about Roger just saying anything derogatory about rugby. So you've got to wish him the best. You've just got to wish him the best. And one thing it proves to me is Kiwis are good buggers and we don't put the knife in. And if only could have a yard to foster within the next two days, I'll be the happiest bugger on the planet. How about that? Yep, they know it's um, a really good call. I, I love it, and I, I love your assessment too of uh, Roger Tuovasa Sheik's uh, character, and I, I think you're spot on there. 
Uh, you have a great weekend, mate. Yeah, I hope you do. Uh, Cliff uh, from down that way too. G'day, Cliff. Yeah, good morning, Smitty. Yeah, look, I'm I'm glad that he's gone back to league. I was a shame he shame he left, but uh, I think there's too many guys ahead of him. You know, like, like centre or wing, it's probably him. But Rico's there, uh, and and other guys. You know, if he if he hangs around rugby for too long, then he probably won't get the big big money to have gone to Japan or somewhere like France uh, in the future. Like he, he his probably timeline was to go into rugby two or three years, big years, go through the World Cup, come out as a one of the top line fellas and then go go overseas. But it hasn't worked like that. So, you know, going back to the Warriors, which I'm I'm happy, you know, I'd like to see the Warriors become a top half six you know, four to six in the in the club comp so that we're not always banging down in the bottom league half of the league. Yeah, so uh, yeah, interesting that, we, that story that Mark Richardson was talking about, the uh, throw in the game. I remember that series, 2001, when we were in Australia. We seemed to have the wood on the Aussies. Uh, Shane Bond came in and had a great series, and we batted reasonably well. We played really well against the Australian side, but we struggled against the South Africans, and we probably thought if we tossed that last game that we might end up playing South Africa in the final, we could win something, but yeah, the South Africans never never really let us uh, in the, in that final series either. We they were a very solid side, you know, great mm. players in that in that day. They were absolutely great. Um, and Cliff, uh, thanks thanks for your call. That was a great series, actually. Oh, way way back, God, time flies, doesn't it? Twenty two damn years ago. Uh, Cliff, thanks very much. Uh, Joey, g'day, Joey. What's your what's your reaction to all this news? Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, yeah, just like your last two callers. Yeah, congratulations on going back to league. Um, you know, I was just surprised. I heard a, a rumour that he may be going to the Roosters again, but with their salary cap and everything, because you know how influential Nick Politis is, and um, mm-hmm. I, I believe they wanted they were trying to get him as well. And um, but he's obviously done what's right for him and everything, and. Um, and like the other guy said, you know, uh, there's so many good chicken five eights uh, um, at the moment with the All Blacks all playing around with, you know, um, Elena Brown and, and David Avili and, you know, and a couple of others and, and, and him as well. And, you know, he may still well go to the World Cup with the, with the All Blacks. So, oh, I don't know, Smithy, but um, he will slot straight back into uh, rugby league. Not a problem because he's only been away just over a year. And he plays fullback, and he'll go back to fullback. And Nicka Kostelak, um, the fullback now, will come into into the centres, I would say, like he did for um, Canberra. So um, it shouldn't be any problems. And I wish him all the, all the best because, and it, it, it just makes the stocks at the the Warriors uh, a lot more interesting for players that are looking to um, possibly, like you were talking to, to Cameron George this morning, Smithy, you know, wanting to come over to New Zealand and seeing the side going so well and going, well, it might not be a bad bad idea, you know, to come across like the, the likes of um, the other guys that have come across, obviously, you know. Joey, uh, do you think this will affect um, the way Ian Foster thinking? Bearing in mind, of course, Ian Foster's finished anyway at the World Cup, win, lose or draw. Uh, do you think this will have any impact on... Um on what his plans are for the World Cup, Roger Tuivasa Sheik's uh, involvement. Oh, without a doubt, Smithy. I think there's two things with that. 
either in his contract, he is, and no one will ever know, but that's private, which is fine. He's either uh, has to be picked as an all-black, or at the moment, I would say Ian Foster probably may well have told him, or he's spoken to Ian Foster, and Foster might have said to him, well, your chances of being going to the World Cup are getting less and less. Um, I don't think Foster will... I don't think they'll pick him. And I don't think, I don't think he'll go to the World Cup. I hope he does, but, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just... There's just so many good second five eights, you know, around Smithy in this position, you know. It's like Will Jordan at fullback and that. And, and mm. Damien McKenzie and all them at first five eight. There's so many good ones around. Um, yeah, and I think maybe the, the writing might have been on the wall. And he's gone, well, I've, I've given it a go. I've become an All Black. Um, and I think, really, his passion is more rugby league than, than rugby. I don't know what, you know whether he would tell you that. But, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think possibly Foster actually will pick him myself. And that's Interesting, Joey. Yeah. No, thank you, Joey. I um, uh, enjoyed those opinions. Um, and spot on, absolutely spot on. Steve, g'day Steve, good morning to you. Yeah, yeah, morning Smithy, always good to hear you on the radio, mate. Um, mate, really, really interesting RTS, because if, if you think about rugby league, and especially back three wingers and fullback, in fact, anybody from outside a standoff in league doesn't kick a rugby ball, and one of the prerequisites of outside backs, not just at super level, but, you know, any level of rugby, you've got to have, you've got to have a... A kicking game, and if you look at the very best wingers, outside backs, you know, we're seeing that with the likes of Sean Stevenson, how valuable a kicking game is at the very, very top level. And I, I don't think when he, I don't think coaches had any option but to play him as a midfielder. A lot of people forget that when he first was first noticed, he was a midfielder at Otahu College in Auckland here, Smithy. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, I just think it's one of those situations where, yep, he's really talented and he's got a step. You could have put him out on the wing and everything, but boy, if you haven't got those other little things, nuances to your games, doesn't we've seen some very good players that have transitioned. Marnon is a classic example. If you remember when he first played for the Hurricanes, he was a winger, then they moved him in, then he didn't really have a, a kicking game, but that kicking game developed over, God, a matter of years, if you know what I mean. So mm. I, I just think it's one of these situations where, and, you know, 24 games is, is, is a not a lot of games to develop yourself as a midfielder even. I, I, th- I actually think Auckland Rugby missed a trick, and I know this firsthand back in 2021 when, when the Auckland region went into lockdown. Northland Rugby actually inquired about Auckland loaning him out, and I think that was a missed opportunity. He could have had a season at second for North for Northland easily, which would have given him even more game time in that particular position. But I, listen, I, I think I concur with a lot of the callers. He's just in a situation where there may not be what you might call better players around, but there are players with better skill sets required for the higher level of the game where he is at the moment. Like if I was if I was picking a Rugby World Cup team now, he, he's probably not in my team, Smithy, and I. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I also think there's a warning here. I see Eddie Jones is looking to basically go out and poach a whole lot of league players. You know, there should be a warning to coaches that these collectively are two different games, especially if you're looking at outside backs. I personally think it's easier, 
like I think Brad Thorne, we'd both agree, is probably your most successful convert ever. But be careful what you wish for. Excellent call, Steve. Uh, very, very good calls, all, all of them this morning. Uh, it's obviously a subject uh, that is pretty dear to a few hearts, um, and it has uh, raised a, a lot of conversation points. We've got so many texts to read through, and we shall do that uh, in the course of the next two and a quarter hours uh, and keep them coming in as well. Thanks to, to all those callers, north and south. Uh, we shall be back very shortly. Are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, uh, of course, the surprises keep on coming in the NRL. The, the Panthers to beat the Rabbitohs was a dollar fifty shot last night. Didn't happen. Rabbitohs got up over the Panthers. Milwaukee Bucks were comfortable uh, yesterday over the Heat. That was no problem at all. But the Lakers were disappointing once again. Uh, I've got all the names, but they uh, they struggled a wee bit um, and uh, went down to uh, the Grizzlies, who uh, are down on caliber as well uh, today. Golden State Warriors to beat Sacramento, even without the thug who was Draymond Green. Uh, I think they'll be good enough there. So $1.46 and 2 nil down in the series. Don't win this one. They're stuck, aren't they? They're gone. Uh, a couple of... Uh, a football one, actually. You don't very often go to France for football, but Bayonne to beat Montpellier at $1.62. Okay. Uh, and then two league ones. Uh, the Cowboys to beat the Knights at $1.74. The Dolphins to beat the Titans at $1.74. Round that all up. Uh, Golden State Warriors into Bayon, into the Cowboys, into the Dolphins. $7.16. $7.16. I'll take that any uh, day of the weekend, any weekend of the weekend. So um, that'll be fine. Uh, that's uh, our multi for today. Gee, the texts are flying in here, Ricardo. They're absolutely flying in. Uh, what about this one? If RTS doesn't get picked for the World Cup, Will they let him join the Warriors early, maybe around 16, 17 in the NRL, as that's when Super Rugby finishes? Well, there wouldn't be a lot of point. I know he's contractually obliged, I imagine, to play for the Auckland rugby team as such. That'll be part of his deal. Is that a possibility? Would you transition that quickly? Could you transition that quickly? Has it ever been done that quickly? I think you mentioned it earlier, Smithy. If anybody can do it, it's a bloke who's won the Dally M. I just wonder whether um, you could do that in the middle of take a guy. I mean, you can change. It's very hard even to change teams. Uh, we've seen that time and time. Uh, and last year, of course, there was one or two players that left the Warriors and uh, immediately joined other teams. Mm. So that can happen within the code. But I, I can't remember too many cases of someone code hopping and joining straight in. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. But I, I think if anybody can do it, um, RTS can do it. And I mean, the thing is, so long as there is room in the Warriors squad, they've got a squad of thirty. There's room for, for them to name somebody else within that thirty because they they, they haven't filled up their thirty. And I think the mm. cutoff for that is late June. So it's not out of the realms of possibility. No, it's not. It's an interesting concept, actually. Mm. Nine fifty-three here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly. Needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
It's uh, 9.58. We'll be uh, talking to uh, Mr Bill Robertson uh, after uh, 10 o'clock. Now, Bill is um, the team coach for the Napier City Rovers' first uh, team, but uh, also the club manager. Um, so uh, just what's it like running a club at that level? Napier City Rovers, uh, very proud history. In fact, they've just celebrated their 50th anniversary. Uh, they've had a big birthday present as well. We'll talk about that with uh, Bill Robertson after 10 o'clock. Um, as uh, well as the fact was we're going to have a panel with uh, Sammy Ackerman and uh, Ben Strang. Sam Ackerman wouldn't have slept out of excitement with that news last <laughs> night, I would imagine. I so, texted him, Smithy, and said, are you OK for the yeah. panel tomorrow, Smith? Uh, Sammy said, I should have stopped popping champagne corks by then, was his response. Uh, well, there you go. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, of course, we'll uh, also talk to Robbie Deans a little bit later in the morning. Robbie's uh, record, this fantastic record he's got of coaching his team in Japan, as uh, well as being the rugby director, uh, came to an end, but still plenty to play for. And uh, what about his, his thoughts on rugby in general? Haven't caught up with him, uh, the man from uh, Canterbury, in such a long time. Looking forward to that. Uh, Mick Aaron as well as Stump Smithy. So much more to come in the next two hours. It's uh, news time here with Aroha. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 10.03 here on SENZ and uh, Napier City Rovers just turned 50 and they celebrated too uh, in style and uh, they are one of the proudest uh, Sporting teams in the Hawke's Bay region uh, with a terrific history of, of not just uh, success but fostering players through to higher honours as well. Uh, and the man charged with uh, doing that these days is their first team coach, uh, stalwart of the club in terms of playing as well, and club manager too, uh, Bill Robertson. Bill, good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Nice to talk to you. Um, uh, is it you or Paul Scholes who's the biggest in Oldham? <laughs> I'll claim myself, but probably Paul Scholes is probably edging me on that in in, in that manner, I suppose. So, uh, not a happy season for uh, for Oldham at this point. You're just sort of mid-table. Yeah, Oldham. Oh, yeah, it's been a it's been a turmoil for the last few years. Obviously, they're in the the National League now, dropped out of the Football League, um, and don't look like coming back anytime soon. Um, I think there's a few issues behind the scenes, so hopefully they can get some stability back because it's obviously a very proud club and found a member of the Premier League when it first started. So obviously growing up watching Oldham Athletic in the Premier League was, was how I fell in love with football. So it'd be great to see them get back uh, into the Football League, but um, yeah, time will tell. Well, your love for football stayed, obviously, Bill, and uh, you find yourself in a very interesting role now at a club you've got uh, a lot of history with, uh, Napier City Rovers. So, first-team coach, club manager, wearing a couple of hats. Yeah, I've taken on a new role um, this year. I've, I've been head coach now for, this is my 10th season, so uh, it's been going on a while. Um, but, yeah, I've taken on a, a little bit of stuff in the commercial aspect, which I'm enjoying. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new challenge, but... Um, you know, it's a, as you've already mentioned, it's a very proud club, uh, history of success. Uh, sometimes you feel the pressure with that. I think there's an expectation that maybe City Rovers are going to win games of football. And I think with the new structure of the National League, um, obviously without that guaranteed National League spot with Hawks Bay United had previously, uh, the pressure's on Navy City Rovers now to provide National League football to, to this region. So, um, yeah, we, we managed to achieve that last year. We were really proud to do that. The only provincial club in New Zealand outside of all the major centres to, to achieve that. So I think we bat above our average, but, you know, we face challenges and, 
um, we'll just keep doing what we can do and hopefully we can provide that for the region. Bill, one of the challenges, of course, is funding. I mean, uh, you can't get away from that. Um, I, I know that um, Navy City Rovers um, have to go looking for, for funding left, right and centre. Um, um, you know, for trust money, foundation money from uh, poker machines, etc. Everyone is trying to get a little bit of that. Uh, but you were gifted uh, $500,000 um, uh, just the other day from uh, Rodney Green. Well, what a generous donation that is. Um, and... Man, I guess it gives you some sort of stability going forward from a managerial and administration point of view. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was a it was a really big surprise and a super great gesture from from Rodney Green. Rodney's obviously supported the club for um, for years and years, long before my time with the club. He he, he was you know involved in in the, the glory days and still comes to the games now and supports us. So. So that gesture on on the 50th anniversary weekend was the timing of it was superb and. Um, yeah, what it does is is allows the, I think that the money's earmarked for infrastructure, the facilities. We've got a great facility here at the Blue Water Stadium. I think one of the best in the country. But it's a little bit old now. It's a little bit dated. It, it's it's not cheap to maintain. Uh, it's a good asset for the club, but but the the insurance alone and and the maintenance on it, it isn't cheap, you know. So I think there's now plans and there's a, a subgroup been set up on the board to discuss how we um, grow grow the facility, and make it better. Uh, we've got to look at the changing room facility and make them more diverse so we can have women's sports because we miss out often miss out on the the FIFA funding that you know that's been that's been prominent across the country and with the women's world cup regional new zealand misses out usually so you know there's grounds being done with brand new pitches and brand new training facilities and, and club rooms and we, and we haven't got that so um so this this donation will will hopefully help uh, in, in that regard so, Bill, just explain to us, um, football at that level, at the level, uh, Napier City Rovers level, do you have to contract players? Do you have to pay players uh, amounts? How do you attract players from outside to the region? Yeah, that's our biggest challenge. The, the, the player base isn't, isn't huge here, obviously, in, in, in Hawke's Bay. Um, we have the, the challenge of, obviously, lack of universities. So we, we try and develop our own players. A, a huge amount of them get to... A level where they're 18 and they're now prominent players and they can contribute really well, but they leave the region to go to university. So, it's, it's that's one of our biggest challenges. Uh, so we do try and attract some other players from out of the region, but um, I guess with the new structure, there's um, there's a, there's you know op- opportunities for those players on their doorstep in in the major centres. So um, ultimately, it's an amateur it's an amateur league. It's an amateur. The whole the whole country is amateur, so you know there's a there's a cap on expenses that you can give players. We tried to bring players to the region and offer them, help them try and find some work, and I guess sell Hawks Bay as a as a place to live and a lifestyle. But it, it's certainly not easy to 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 relocate players to to Hawks Bay. Okay, so uh, one of those pathways, of course, going forward is to. Um, uh, well, other clubs, but also to uh, the Wellington Phoenix, which is uh, the next step up as such. Um, how have you assessed the Phoenix season this year, Bill? Yes, yeah, interesting. Um, obviously, there's there's a there's change of foot and with a new coach coming in. Um, I've tried to watch as, as many games as I can, and um, it's I think it's really difficult for the Phoenix. There seems to be a, quite a transitional nature to their to their squads. Each year they bring in some good players, and then ultimately tend to lose those players and it, and it looks similar with coaching staff obviously um, Palais has done a, a pretty good job from from the outer looking in and 
and again now he moves on to another opportunity so it's um sometimes tough to to build a consistent um foundation but um yeah, I guess a what is success for the Phoenix making the playoffs would would probably be defined as success. So I know they've got a big game tonight. So hopefully they can they can get a win and, and achieve that 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 playoffs uh, berth for for this season. It's not very often, um, you know, when you look at a high profile coaching position like uh, an A League um, head coach that when he goes, you you only have to look over his shoulder really to a point with Freeman because it's usually such a competitive. Uh, position to try and fill. What did you make of the appointment of uh, Giancarlo uh, Italiano? Yeah, interesting. I mean, they've obviously, uh, you know, the board or whoever's made that decision, the general manager has obviously decided that that's a that's a good way to go. That I'm assuming there's been some consultation with with the um, the playing staff and in terms of how he's contributed over the last few years. I guess there might have been consultation with Tale himself. Um, but it seems like a natural progression and potentially a good step for the club. Um, so I, I think he's recently um, got his pro license under his belt. So, um, yeah, time will tell, I suppose. But they've obviously given him the opportunity and, and trusted in him and seen seen enough in, in, his, in his role as assistant to, to, to allow him to step up. And, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how it, how it pans out next season. As it um, and, and conversely, uh, you, you look at how quickly they've acted and, and replaced um, but I, 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 for one, don't think it's a very good look that our national team does not have a national coach. Um, and it seems to be a very confusing issue. So some say, well, there's no hurry. But I, I just think when you've got your national team with a, a, without a direction or a direct door as such, I find it quite confusing, Bill. What, what do you make of the, the, the uh, all-white situation there? Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it's not a good look. I don't think. I mean, the whole the whole way the the whole John Hurden thing transpired as well wasn't wasn't great look for for New Zealand football, was it? And you would have hoped that uh, the plan was whilst they did they need to do their due diligence and, and make sure they appoint the right person. You would have hoped that they moved on from that pretty quickly and and, and got someone in place and and started to to build for the future. So yeah, look, I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know where that's at. But um, as you say, it's it's probably important they do something pretty quick so they can start to put some plans in place because um, you know there's a good playing squad there now I feel there's more and more players playing in more competitive professional leagues I think there's um, you know there's a, a good core group of players that could potentially achieve some good things so you need someone in charge of that to, to start driving it and in order to get with some results moving forward talking to Bill Robertson who's the uh, first team coach for Napier City Rovers also uh, the club manager and just getting back to uh, Rovers as such uh, junior football and uh, women's football um, very very popular of course these days but what about the numbers Bill how how are you finding the numbers in both of those and catering for those numbers yeah really good Um, it's really positive for football in New Zealand I think the participation levels continue to increase Uh, certainly within our club I've, I've seen that um even in the last five years, the, the, the increase in juniors um, signing up to, to play junior football, but even more so in, in, in women's sports. So, you know, the Women's World Cup is a great opportunity and um, it seems like there's more more females getting involved in the game. So from a junior aspect, our club's growing massively. It's becoming, um, you know, we, our club's run on volunteers and um, it's getting to a level where, you know, most clubs now, I guess, in major centres, again, with, with bigger junior bases have got full-time employees and, and people looking after the junior development 
Um, and I think it's it's getting to the point where, as a club, we need to start looking at that, that as well because the numbers are growing, and, and this is the, these guys, the, the the youngsters, are the future of the game, obviously. So they need the best development they can get, and um, hopefully that's something we can look at for the future. Do you look at um, the issues around? Um, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about uh, concussion, right? And, and there was talk for quite some time about uh, guarding the amount of times kids can head footballs and. Uh, you know, it became quite an emotive issue there. Is that, is that something you've addressed, or have you just sort of gone with the flow there? No, we haven't, we haven't addressed that as a club yet. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously follow the guidelines. I've got, I've got to be careful on, on, you know, obviously making sure that we're, we're sticking to the New Zealand football guidelines, and if, and if something comes out around that and, and there's advice there from professionals, then obviously we need to look at that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's something that we'll be implementing um this season or anytime soon until until that medical advice um comes out i guess i think we just we just crack on as we have done for years and years and years and i think i've headed the ball god knows how many times throughout 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 my career and um hopefully i'm still uh still doing okay so we'll we'll just uh we'll just wait for advice on that uh it's an, yeah it's an interesting one and uh just rears its uh, ugly head it's a bad pun from time to time but uh, it just seems to every now and then and uh I just wanted to had been a talking point talking point about uh, the EPL uh, this weekend and uh, how have you looked at uh, the English Premier League this year in terms of maybe Arsenal Manchester City sorting themselves out at the top? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? What a what a, um, a spectacle as always. I try and watch as many games as I can. Obviously, the timing of things isn't isn't great here. I certainly don't watch as many live games as a as I can with a couple of young kids keeping me busy, but. Um, I try and keep up to speed, and it looks like it's going to be a really interesting um, finish to the season. With Arsenal obviously looking like they were going to they were going to get a nice gap opening up, but City, Man City as ever, just consistent and and have put a, a streak of wins together, and now are, are knocking on the door. And obviously that game, I think in a few, in a few days' time next week maybe is um, is going to be a big fixture. So it'll be really interesting to to watch that one. So what's on the immediate plans for Napier City Rovers as a team? What 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 stage are we at now? Uh, so we're we're four games into the season, so um, yeah, start of a new season. The plans are to try and um, qualify for National League again. That requires us to finish third or fourth in the league, and, and as I said previously, that's not an easy challenge, you know. So um, we're uh, we're hopeful we can do that again because we want to do that for the region. I think it's important that um, Hawks Bay as a region has National League football for young players to aspire to. Um, so now the pressure's on us to try and achieve that. So. That's our goal, um, and, and we'll certainly give it a good shot and, and do the best we can. Bill Robertson, been an absolute pleasure just catching up on uh, football at the level that um, you're coaching at and administering at, uh, at as well. Uh, $500,000 in the bank to, to spend uh, on the future of Napier City Rovers. Sounds pretty exciting to me. So uh, good catching up, Bill. Uh, all the very best for the remainder of the season as well going forward. Thanks, Smithy. Really appreciate it. All the best. Yeah. Yeah, cheers. Same to you. Uh, Bill Robertson there uh, from uh, yeah, Napier City Rovers. Uh, just a good example, actually, of a club with a great history um, who, um, you know, in the provinces uh, isn't uh, always easy, uh, but have found um, a generous uh, little present to celebrate their 50th uh, $500,000 uh, donation from uh, Mr. Rodney Green. And uh, that gives you a, a level of comfort anyway. I've been to uh, Blue Water Stadium, which is uh, named after one of uh, Roddy Green's institutions as well. And uh, it is. It's a nice, boutique little football ground. It's got a good feel about it. 
uh, but it does require maintenance, it does re require upkeep, um, and yeah, I think that money will be spent very, very wisely indeed, uh, ensuring the future of uh, the club in this area. 10.17, uh, looking forward to the panel, Ben Strang and Sam Ackerman, <laughs> Sam Ackerman and Roger Tuovasashek, my God, uh, coming up shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, the panel this morning consists of uh, Sam Ackerman and Ben Strang. Um, on a very, very big uh, morning uh, to yeah, talk morning, about league yeah. in particular. Uh, so, uh, ben, uh, so Strang, uh, ben Strang. Good morning to you, sir. Um, I just want to uh, know your reaction to the RTS news. Did you see this coming? Sorry, I was just getting some echo there. It was a bit confusing. Um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't see this coming. I, I, it wasn't something I'd really thought about, but, I mean, in hindsight... The way that Tuivasa Sheik's rugby career has gone has probably not been ideal for him. Um, he's he's fulfilled a childhood dream of becoming an All Black, which I think is uh, is fantastic. It'll be a, a big thing for him. So in some ways, I guess he might have achieved the goal he had, which was to play for the All Blacks. Um, for him to come back to the Warriors, I think is is fantastic. It sounds like a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes from the Warriors to to bring him back to have those conversations. So. They'll be very pleased. What I'm most interested in now is if the Warriors do continue to have a good season and their players continue to to, to show that they've got the goods to to start for an NRL club playing so well. Uh, how does he fit in when he comes back? Because you know, I, I, it's good for him to come back for the depth of the club. I'd like to see him earn his way back as well if if he's been out of league for a couple of years. And I feel like that's something Andrew um, Andrew Webster will probably probably demand of him as well. Well, he's managed everything uh, pretty well so far, Ben. It's only early days, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, at some stage they'll get on a, a bit of a downward streak, I would imagine. Uh, that's what happens with uh, most sporting clubs, and uh, getting out of that will be the key But um, uh, to his overall judgment. But Sam Ackerman is uh, with us Sam this morning, and I, I just wonder whether Sam slept overnight because you must be pretty damned excited about this news. About this news. Look, if I wasn't so cheap, I'd have been popping champagne. Um, but I, I, instead, I just I went for the soda stream. It was it was a, a, a massive bit of news to uh, to hear. And I, what impresses me most about the news is that it was handled in a relatively classy way. I know the Blues were eager to get it out before it became somebody else's information. But the, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik isn't the type of guy to be. Type, you know, thrust into something that's garish and over the top. He knows he's got you know, a contract to do. He's just announced where he's going, so it's not part of the deal. He wants to get on with uh, fulfilling his contract and his duties, and you know his ambitions with the Blues as well. He's a professional, uh, but what? Look, this is a coup because this is a homecoming. Let's not forget this was the best player on the planet. He was the best rugby league player going around uh, with the Dallium and uh, the Golden Boot. He, he could lay claim to that quite comfortably. He's coming back to the sport where he is best suited, uh, and I don't think he leaves as with any disgrace, his sense of failure, anything like that. The man went over to rugby, and with a short of, uh, course of a very short period of time, managed to become an All Black at a point where he actually wasn't getting the reps 
he needed and was, I guess, promised and was expected because of the pandemic. It, it, it wiped out his chance to really ground himself deeply into rugby with a uh, with an NPC campaign. So I'm I'm really impressed with what um, he's done in rugby with the opportunities he's had. But uh, rugby league is his home. It's where he belongs. And I it, credit to the to the to the Warriors. The Roosters have been chasing him aggressively. The open checkbook um, from people like Nick Politis, not to mention the Dolphins that have come in and all those others with silly money um, options as well. If he really wanted those, he wanted to stay in Auckland for family reasons. He wanted to come back to the club that he uh, that he was uh, the the champion of when he was there. I, I am thrilled that Roger Tuivasa-Sheck is home. And it's an interesting one for me too, Ben, in terms of the administration, because uh, this is a, a front office at the Warriors, which has copped a bit, I think it's fair to say, uh, particularly um, last season and um, going transitioning into this season. Uh, this is, um, uh, well, can we say it's a feather in their cap? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and, and what also impressed me is, and I may be completely wrong on this, uh, Sam will be, probably be able to tell us, but it seemed to just happen. I mean, there, there was there was not murmurings for a long time that it was going to happen and, and that sort of thing. And, and you know, yes, it, the, the story may have come out half an hour or whatever before the official release last night, but, um, you know, it just seemed to happen. They just did the job in the background. It didn't sort of escape and, and people knew about it and with a long time to, uh, you know, ahead of the announcement. So I thought that was very impressive. They'd just diligently done their work it's taken a long time. Yes, there's a lot of money on offer from other clubs, but they've managed to, to, to get it done. I, I think um, it absolutely is a feather in their cap, and, and it's, it's such a crucial part of sport, a, a sports team is your administrative efforts, and perhaps this is the, you know, something that can show the Warriors fans that, hey, yeah. our, uh, our backroom staff are doing a really good job now too. How are you um, looking forward to this uh, Anzac clash with uh, the Storm, Ben? Because not great memories of the last one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I, I mean, I was just looking at the the, the ladder now. Um, they're both doing uh, very similar things so far this season, a uh, very similar place on the table. Uh, and, and like you said earlier, you know, there will be a time when the Warriors probably go through a bit of a tough stretch. Um, I'm interested to know when that is. I think that... One of the things I look at on the table is the points differential, and the Warriors isn't actually amazing, but they've managed to get a lot of these tight wins, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, they could easily have only two wins with a, with a couple of um, two-point wins that they've had. So um, I, I think it'll be very interesting how they play this game because it is another tough opponent, and if they come through it with flying colours, I think it really would set them up to, to continue for a, a good season, particularly playing in Melbourne. Right, uh, it is 10.29, coming up to 10.30 here on SENZ. Uh, I think we'll go to the news with uh, Aroha. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll have more from uh, Sam Ackerman uh, and also Ben Strang. 10.31 here, we've got Ben Strang and uh, Sam Ackerman. And uh, Sam, uh, I've, I've got to tell you that um, in terms of uh, my time here at uh, SENZ, I've never seen the text machines... Um, light up with so many um, uh, theories about uh, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. This news is big. Um, so it rivals uh, Razor Robertson and uh, the All Black coaching job, I can tell you, the reaction this morning. And uh, one of them that uh, reflects, um, I guess, what a lot of people are thinking is, uh, Shane from Auckland has come in and says, no one is talking about how RTS will affect 
chance nickel clock stats position in the side. Where um, and people are saying, where is he going to fit in? Where is he going to fit in? Yeah, look, this very is a very fair point to bring up, and it's one that's w- w- is worthy of a lot of discussion. First of all, a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and then, as far as form and and who's there. But uh, let's say that Roger Tuivasa-Sheik joined this team now, or the the team was in the same position it is now that when uh, when uh, Tuivasa-Sheik joins. Roger Tuivasa-Sheik has a, a lot of uh, skills and as does Chance. And, and, and Nicol Klukstad can play in uh, other areas too. I, I really like I really like uh, Chance Nicol Klukstad at centre. And you know what? In the past few hours, I've been, you know, since last night, I've been thinking a lot about um, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik as a centre as well. They have um, skills that are transferable and they've got a depth there that are, uh, that the Warriors would be crazy not to uh, look to utilise. Nickel Klukstad's been fo- not forced, but he was he left the Warriors looking for opportunity previously. He didn't want to leave. He wanted to get football, and he wasn't getting it with Tuivasa-Sheik there. Now, with Tuivasa-Sheik back, that will, of course, have a major impact on what he does, but if they're smart, they can manage this. They can find ways. It's like it's like New South Wales at origin time. They basically pick a backline full of fullbacks because that's, they've got so many great options there that can uh, play there. I'm, I'm a, I completely see uh, that this will be a little bit of a concern, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a talent buy. When you have someone of the calibre of Roger Tuivasa-Sheik ready to come back, and certainly his best days are not behind him. He's not over the hill. They're not playing overs for some guy who's already had his career. He's, he's still got it. Uh, it's he's worth bringing into the squad because he has been an integral part of the squad. A bloke who won the Player of the Year three years in a row. He was their leader in every sense of the word uh, before he left. But look, I should point out as well, some Warriors fans are actually not that thrilled, Smitty, because they still feel that you know Roger leaving at the height of the pandemic kind of did them dirty a bit. Like They needed them the most, and he went off to chase uh, rugby. And look, everyone, horses to courses, he wanted to be based back in New Zealand. He wanted that opportunity to chase an all-black jersey, which he got, and still, you know, obviously, dreaming of a World Cup um, experience, all, all those things. Everyone's allowed to do what they like as professionals, but not not everybody's just throwing their, those floodgates open um, for uh, Tui Vasashek. That, that some people still feel that he left the Warriors when they needed him. I, I, I'm of the persuasion that, that him coming back is a good thing. Not everyone will be that way. No, uh, look, I, I can't see a downside to it at this point, Sam, but uh, there was a lot no. of downside to the last Anzac clash uh, against the Storm. Uh, how are you? How are you? How are you looking at this one coming up on Tuesday? I, Jazz Tavanga has put it best. The, the Warriors are in, have got are in the best position to be successful in this uh, fixture as they have been in an awful long time as far as confidence levels goes. They've obviously we know they've won five from seven, but listen, the Storm have been up, up and down this year by by their standards. I actually feel like they've gone through a um, some kind of personality. Uh, swap. The Warriors are consistent across the board in every game. Even the games they lose, they're there in, in the contest. Whereas the uh, the Storm are kind of brilliant one week, and then suddenly, how the hell they lose that game the next? So there's there's something really kind of a juxtaposition with those two sides. But uh, the Storm are a, a difficult beast for the uh, for the Warriors. Have been for an awful long time, uh, and the. the we, those of us who have a long enough memory, the Storm were the team, even when the Warriors were going crap, the Storm were the team that the Warriors had parity with compared to other teams across mm. uh, the competition. Uh, I know there's calls for to bring the game here. The NRL, I think, are being way too greedy uh, to allow such a, um, a prestigious fixture to uh, come to our shores. The, the lip service that came around, the um, we're going to look after the Warriors for all their sacrifices, was 
has basically paid off in their mind with a pre-season uh, NRL All-Stars game in Rotorua. That was, as far as they're concerned, that's the, the, the price paid. But I can tell you what, it, it would be special to be here, but I know the Warriors players thrive on the concept of going over there and, and making their mark in Melbourne. It's been a long time, and they're, don't, get, don't get it twisted. They're absolutely a chance in this one. Right, uh, just uh, James, I mean I could talk um, league uh, for the next hour because it's such exciting news and there's so much to talk about uh, but we're going to change uh, tack a wee bit here Ben and go to a bit of cricket uh, overnight of course the uh, what the fourth uh, T20 against uh, Pakistan was hailed out and rained out which is quite unusual I've got to say in Rahul Pindi uh, but uh, in the midst of it all was uh, Mark Chapman who uh, and now is uh, showing some Pretty good form. Does Mark Chapman come into our thinking for 50-over cricket and the World Cup? He has to. He has to come into the thinking because with this New Zealand squad heading away to Pakistan, uh, that you know, with with so many players who are sort of unproven at this level, and 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 with the World Cup later this year, it's just been an opportunity for some of these players to perhaps show that they are ready and and deserving of a spot at the World Cup. And, and Mark Chapman's the one who's put his hand up. I know Chad Bowes uh, scored a 50 today, but he hasn't quite looked the man uh, with his opportunities so far. Of course, there's, there's another tweet 2020. There's, there's five one-day internationals for these guys to play, so there's still a lot of time for them to, to show that they are, are, are capable at this level. But based on what we're seeing from Mark Chapman, uh, he's a guy who probably batting further down the order for New Zealand. You could see him being a very successful closer, uh, someone who can clear the boundary, who can find the boundary, who can uh, score at a very quick rate and score essentially from ball one. Uh, That's something that New Zealand could absolutely do with the World Cup. We get enough of it from Jimmy Neesham, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the the selection process goes with the World Cup with a guy who isn't contracted. Uh, Mark Chapman can also offer you some, some overs if he were to bowl. He's not bowling as much these days as he was. So uh, he's absolutely put himself in the frame with the performances that he's putting in. Uh, Sam McCormick's uh, with us as well as Ben Strang this morning. Uh, Sam, are you taking much notice of uh, the series in Pakistan? Um, does it have any bearing going forward for you? I wouldn't say it's got massive bearing as far as the series goes, uh, but I'd certainly have been impressed with what uh, a team basically missing their their, their, their first-choice players almost almost entirely across the board for a side is able to kind of hang in there and, uh, and go with Pakistan in their conditions. I, I've been impressed, but come, come the World Cup, I would expect the selectors to take a, a bit of a conservative uh, go-with-what-we-know approach for selections, and I think Chapman might struggle to push in with there, but you know, he can't, he can't help but be impressed what he's done and, and how Latham's been uh, leading as well, so uh, there's these are important tours. These are the tours that help build you that depth, and these are the tours that got the uh, the Black Caps into the situation where they were, world beaters in, uh, in so many forms of the game. So, um, you know, I don't think the results are of huge significance at, at this stage, and I don't think New Zealand is captivated, particularly by this tour. Uh, but these tours have a huge impact on where New Zealand cricket will be in the next eighteen months. Uh, interesting too, um, the subject of cheating in sport has, has come up on the back of this <laughs> ultra-marathon runner, Sam Ackerman, who just uh, got a little bit down in the dumps, um, uh, managed to just have a friend driving by, hopped in the car, uh, got to uh, the other point, got uh, found out and said, oh look, I, all I was doing is 
I was decided to pull out, um, and I just uh, wanted to get through to advise you in the card of to advise you that I am um, I'm pulling out. Uh, Josiah Zaskruski, I think the name is. That's as close as I'll get to it anyway. Um, what do you make of this amusing episode, so, Sam? So so good. I I. I uh, it's it's been my favourite story of the week, and it might go down as my favourite of the year. I reckon it's like the, the excuses. Are just, I just want to I, I just want to let her just keep talking because they get more and more ridiculous. It's like, I, okay, I, I decided to pull out. I wasn't feeling well, uh, so I went to the checkpoint. They told me to keep on running, so I decided to do so in a non-competitive way. When I finished third, I was too tired and I was a bit blurred. And I don't know why. I accepted the trophy and did all the photos. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean. The thing I love about it as well is that it would have seemed like such a sneaky um, thing to do as well. Let's just say hypothetically that it was a deliberate cheating intent rather than uh, rather than anything else. It, it, GPS is attached to every athlete virtually these days. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I love that uh, people being like uh, tracked down and, and found by their Apple watches and GPS these, these days uh, in uh, all walks of life. But a an ultra marathon runner is there anything that could tarnish your reputation more as an ultra marathon runner than getting in a car and not being prepared to do the hard yards? I think even people doping would have been given more of a lenient more of a lenient uh, treatment by their community <laughs> than that. So uh, like she, she's been to the Commonwealth Games, holds r- records, which I imagine will now be examined. Uh, it is, yeah. I don't. I really think that she's toast. I don't think she can go to even all these things again. It's the the darkest mark. I mean, she will be the Lance Armstrong of her um, of her sport now, almost almost it, certainly. I agree, Ben String. It's almost a funny version of Zane Robertson trying to tell us that uh, the Kenyan <laughs> Hospital got it all wrong. To be perfectly honest, um, and asking us to believe that, Ben. Yeah, it's the excuses, isn't it? It is the excuses that make it so funny. Um, you do wonder if she's sponsored by Uber or something uh, based on the performance. But, um, what a great yeah. idea. Get an ad on. Ben's on it. Absolutely. We're going to patent pattern pending. We're keeping that trademark. That's great. <laughs> oh, great, fellas. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Massive news, RTS. Uh, continue to celebrate that over the weekend, uh, as I know you will, Sam. And uh, to you, Ben, thank you very much for your input this morning. And uh, go those uh, one New Zealand Warriors come Tuesday against the Storm. A bit of retribution there in uh, a weekend where, um, or in a time when we're looking at remembrance as well. So uh, thanks, gents, and uh, we'll have another panel uh, hopefully Monday morning. 10.43 coming up here on SENZ. The SENZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. Anytime. Bring your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, time to uh, read out a few texts because uh, there have been some uh, really cool ones this morning. Uh, G'day there. Doesn't this failed uh, experiment with RTS really point out how the poor stocks of 12 are since Ma'anonu who was brilliant. Uh, we've been pretty woeful at 12. We're praying a fullback will fill the role, which tells us all we need to know about how limited the next tier are. New Zealand super coaches and New Zealand rugby coaching is where the thrust of this discussion should be aimed at, in my wee opinion. Any midfield back who wants to learn the position should look across the Tasman rather than the last decade of very limited midfield play we see in New Zealand. 
Conrad Smith and Ma Nonu were the last of a generation of players that understood the nuance and the space in the midfield. We now produce battering rams or shovelers of the ball. How New Zealand coaches have not addressed this since 2015 is the real issue for me. I wish RTS all the best, I reckon. Trying to learn midfield play in the disorganised backline of the Blues was always going to be a massive challenge. Gargantuan, even. Uh, a wee opinion, in, indeed. Uh, love sport, that's uh, from R. Appreciate it. It's a hell of a text and uh, looking uh, a little bit deeper into the RTS situation. Um, morning, Ian. Uh, great to hear RTS is going back to the Warriors. To, uh, Warriors. The amount of young players wanting to come and play alongside him is going to be huge. Plus, his professionalism on and off the field is second to none. I hope Fozzie does pick him. Uh, they both have nothing to lose. That's uh, from Steele. So have a good weekend, mate. Uh, personally, I don't think there are uh, any uh, options in the midfield. Anton, Jack and uh, Quinn are injury prone. The rest is very experienced. He might be at a World Cup even by default, says uh, Kevin. Uh, morning, Smithy. Great news on uh, RTS. Great for the Warriors in the game of league. Uh, can't blame him for the with the resurgence of the Warriors and rugby not quite working out for him. Um, also, morning, Smithy. I, I would love to wish Roger all the best for this next uh, season. And uh, the man gave it a go, and good on him. There's only one person. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. One person I know that might want his knife back, and that is Stephen McIver. Stephen McIver. His quote when Roger went to the Blues is, "Roger Tuivasa Shack is dead to me." Interesting indeed. Uh, well, Stephen McIver might like to have uh, some sort of recourse on that at, at some point. Uh, Ted's come in and said Jason Robinson was, played the Super League Grand Final uh, for in October 2000 for Wigan. Then in November, November the very next month, made his debut for the Sale Sharks in the Rugby Premiership. Uh, thanks very much for that, uh, Ted. Interesting. Uh, and also on the, the size or, or the space left in the squads, uh, for the Warriors, they have 28 out of the 30 in their squad. They have two spare spots to fill at any stage. Uh, on the football theme, uh, I loved going to Park Island to Napier City Rovers games in the early to mid-80s when they were in their prime. That park was packed to the rafters with an unbelievable atmosphere. Great memories. It, did. Uh, yeah, it, is, it's, it is a pretty cool park. There's no doubt about it. It just has its uh, little way about it. Uh, without being uh, too ostentatious or anything like that. There's uh, one um, smaller screen stand with a lot of comments, a lot of character coming out of there. And on the other side, uh, there's some bleachers as such and a lot of standing room around the ground as well. So it's not big in terms of capacity. It is uh, just a, a, a lovely little boutique ground. Carolyn has come in and uh, said, I always thought RTS was wasted at the Warriors, and much as I thought he was a star, I wanted him to go to a better league team for his own sake. Now the Warriors have brought themselves up to a standard befitting RTS, I'm nothing but really, really excited to see him back at the club. Cheers, Carolyn. Uh, uh, enjoy that as well. Um, Kevin, also, Smithy, it's going to be virtually guarantee a full crowd each week with Roger back. Ten games at all that money times a full crowd makes a bank balance look very healthy, Kevin from uh, Titarangi. Interesting. Uh, some great news coming in. It's 10.52 here on SENZ. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, time to get over to uh, Pip Morris from the TAB. Just remind me, Pip, who's your league team? Uh, this is Penrith's mother who went down to the bunnies last night. 
Oh, okay, just confirming that. That's all. It's good of you to pick up the phone then, actually. You must be in a state of despair. Um, here's the thing. Um, it's a busy weekend coming up. Uh, of course, uh, Greyhounds today as well, but uh, so many sporting options available to us right through to Tuesday when the Warriors play. Oh, absolutely, Smithy. As you mentioned, so much to look forward to. And those Warriors, they're taking 84% of the head-to-head money at $3.70 up against the Storm. Storm fans, though, someone still put $1,000 on them head-to-head at $1.25. And I can tell you the most popular anytime try scorer is Sean Johnson at $5.50. As far as tonight's game goes, the Eels up against the Broncos. Head-to-head betting split really uh, even right down the middle. Payne Haas is best-backed anytime try scorer at $9. And the most popular power play, Sal and Cobo first try scorer and Reese Walsh anytime try scorer at $23. As far as the Rugby Union goes smithy. $750 has been placed on the Chiefs match result at $1.07. $3,000 put on them to cover the 24.5 point start at $1.87. And $900 placed on the Crusaders game for them to cover the 13 or more at $1.50. Pip, uh, you've got, uh, what, trackside involvement tomorrow? Uh, what, is, um, what is the focus tomorrow in, in terms of uh, our galloping around the region? We've got a couple of uh, Group 3s out of Pukekohe and then, of course, down at Rickerton. I can tell you the two at uh, Pukekohe, two, Smithy, uh, the best back there in race number seven is Arby at $3.50. And for the fixed odds win at three fifty, someone put $3,000 on. And Tabatak's the best back in race eight, closely followed by White Noise and Habana. So they're the three. And we did have a $1,000 bet placed on Maria Farina, top four at two seventy. She's in race number eight. And we'll have the bonus black blitz across all main four meetings on the first four races too. Pip Morris, you have a terrific weekend um, working through it as well. Um, and yes, uh, a devout Panthers fan and uh, knocked over last night by the Rabbitohs in another close one. My goodness, the NRL is throwing up some amazing results this far. How often do we say it? Because they keep happening, that's why. Right, uh, we haven't heard from Robbie Deans for, like forever. Forever we haven't heard from Robbie Deans. Doing great things uh, coaching up there in Japan. Um, his team, the Wild Knights, uh, Panasonic Wild Knights, are going out extremely well. We're going to talk to Robbie about that and we'll, very shortly. NZ. Uh, 11.03 here on SENZ uh, New Zealand time and uh, we're heading to Japan now to talk to uh, one of our uh, top coaches, one of um, uh, our top rugby brains actually, terrific player of course for Canterbury, uh, terrific coach for the Crusaders uh, and uh, of course all black coach and now doing wonderful things uh, with his team, the Wild Knights. Uh, We're talking of course uh, about Robbie Deans. Hey Robbie, uh, nice to talk to you after a long time. Welcome to our show. Good morning, Ian. Thank you. Yep, good to 
Because the talk to you, mate, and no. the last time I saw you was in Lakers. Would that be right? Early 90s? That would... That would be about right. Uh, that's uh, like forever ago to me as as well, Robbie. It's uh, been a long, long time. And which uh, period of time you've done uh, some uh, some wonderful things up there in Japan, mate? Four and a half, uh, four and a half year winning streak uh, against all comers. How have you managed that? For goodness' sake! Oh, you just keep going, basically. Um, you know, it's it's been a there's no shortcuts to this, to any of these things, as you know. Um, we weren't really conscious of it, to be to be fair. Um, it was nothing, nothing we ever focused on. Uh, you just focus on the next one, and we, we scraped through a few, <laughs> as you do. And the irony is, you know, people look at winning streaks and they say, well, that must have been easy, but it's actually no different from losing streaks. It, it's pretty much the same thing, different day. It's just uh, different outcomes for different reasons. Can we talk about uh, Japanese rugby um, as you see it, uh, Robbie? Um, the foreign players in the league, what are the numbers like these days uh, driving the competition forward? What's changed, I guess, in terms of the quality of the competition is that you've now got current internationals. You got it when I first arrived up here. It was sort of former super rugby players in the twilight of their careers who came here. Now it's it's current international. We've got a third of the uh, incumbent World Cup Springbok uh, champion team played a rugby in, in Japan. Um, so that tends to lift. You know, only as good as the company keeps it, as they say, and it lifts the the competition because it, it, that rubbing of shoulders, that passing on of knowledge, and there's a lot of coaches up here. Obviously, a lot of international coaches, former international coaches. Um, Smitty came here post-2015. Dee Hanson's been here since 2019. Michael Chuck has been here. Um, there's an endless list, uh, including separated coaches. Guys like Franz Liedecker, who won a couple of titles with the Bulls. Johan Ackerman from the Lions. Tony Blackout is here. They're playing him today, actually. Um, guys like Dean Delaney, Matt Taylor, who coached Scotland. So, and then you've got... Um, I guess a guy like Ross Filippo has been up, was up here for a long time as a player and then and cut a tip as a coach and he's gone back and won minor 10 with Waikato and he's now working with the Chiefs. And uh, last week we played Yamaha Mate Tualiji, a former crusader, was, was coaching Yamaha. So things don't happen by chance, as you know. Um, and the standards have, have lifted over time. Robbie, uh, can you tell us about your coaching structure within your club then? How how heavily engrossed in it are local coaches, for instance? Yeah, I'm a bit of an anomaly. A lot of these foreign coaches that come up here tend to uh, cluster foreign support staff. Um, but that's never been my sort of philosophy. I'm a believe you come here to make a difference and... and um, Supported totally by uh, local coaches, we, we do have in that mix uh, a a Tongan bloke. He's a former player. We also have a Korean uh, coach who's a former player as well. So they've transitioned from playing into coaching in the last couple of years. But the rest of the group are, are all um, Japanese nationals, uh, former university coaches, and there's a number of blokes who are now coaching other teams who've been through the Panasonic system. Um, so I'm a 
is coaching the Tokyo University champion team, was with me up until a couple of years ago. Uh, a couple of other coaches, Kintetsu and, and um, Kibaka, who came through our system as well. So, and that's a big that's a big, to me, that's a big part of it. You don't come here um, to, to bring people with you and, and replicate what you've got somewhere else. You come here to make a difference to the locals, and, uh, and that's, that's where it's rewarding. So, Robbie, how how closely, if at if at all, do you liaise with, uh, say, um, Jamie, Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown, the, you know, the hierarchy of the national team? Do you do you have a relationship there, as tends to be with some fran- franchises back in New Zealand, with the All Black structure? Uh, not to the same extent. I mean, Jamie and Brownie have essentially functioned out of New Zealand. To be fair. They've just come up for the international window. Although, at the World Cup, looming, they've, they've had a greater presence this year. I'm actually playing Brownie at squash and skipping in an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> so, it's different to that end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the players obviously interact when, when they're together, but the international window functions in isolation of the league. Right then, uh, Robbie, let's uh, look at um, last time, of course, um, they were involved with uh, the Sunwolves. It was an interesting experiment. The Sunwolves struggled at times. Uh, that was quite some time ago. Uh, is Japan rugby for a re- uh, ready for a reintroduction in at that level w- with a, a franchise? Uh, look, <laughs> it's too going into a political area here. Um, I, I, they're open for it. They're, they're keen, but it's how you do it. And that, that was a flawed approach. You know, I offered to counsel at the time that, that was dismissed. They knew best, but fine. Um, but that initial engagement, they didn't understand that the the dynamics of the of the competition up here, how how the game is run. It's it's totally different from any other model in the world. Uh, it's company driven and basically owned. Um, and I understood the end in mind they had, but they weren't genuine in, in their engagement. And that's not a good tactic when you're dealing with, with the Japanese. Robbie, um, let's talk about um, your um, your coaching aspirations. Do you still have any? I mean, how long are you locked in there for? Uh, what, what do you, you know, I mean, what do you want to do next? You start to sound like my GM. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to win a game tonight against the Shuba and that's the final round Robin and then we've got playoffs to come so getting a final so that's obviously a big focus point right now uh, and I don't tend to look beyond the campaign to be honest but I had a conversation not with some of the one you just had with me he asked me what I wanted to do and I asked him what he wants me to do and we go from there um, and I've never looked beyond a coaching year there's, just no, there's no value in that as a coach uh, as is not in many ways as a player, you just want to maximise and enjoy the challenge you have in front of you, um, not only yourself but your group. And um, and if you do that effectively, then there might be something on the table for you next. Um, but that's the way to live life, and, and rugby is a great educator for life. Do you uh, still keep a, a pretty close eye on what's happening back here? I mean, the Super Rugby competition this year, what have you made of that, if you do? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, 
can be good comp. I mean, the playoffs can be great. But to be fair, the format isn't isn't great because it's um, everyone's basically waiting for the playoffs, and, and they know that most of the teams are going to be in them anyway. Um, but yeah, so absolutely, I keep in touch, um, and that's one one of the blessings, I guess, of a long time in the game is that you do create a lot of contacts and, and networks that um, it's, it's two ways. It's a two-way street. You know, you're constantly seeking and providing um, counsel, if you like, with people that you know and you've got history with and some that you don't. I mean, like last night, he's just been sacked up here and we spent a couple of hours just talking about uh, coaching with you from here, the young coach. You know? It's a tough arena. Um, professional sport, as you know, um, cricket being one of the most local, but um, it's also rewarding. Uh, yeah, have I answered your question? Yeah, I, th- I think you have. Uh, you probably won't answer this one. Um, uh, you'll answer it in the t- traditional Robbie Dean's fashion, I would imagine, which is pretty clever. Um, I- I'm going to ask you... Uh, a good friend of mine. Yep. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you uh, about how you viewed this whole um, All Black coaching saga over the transitioning from a current one who's still got a role to do into the next one who's already making noises about his programming. It, it's been, to be honest, Robbie, from from our point of view here, it's been pretty damn messy. Um, would you have an opinion on that? Oh no, you're right. It's an summation. It has been messy. Um, but you guys enjoy that. It's column inches. <laughs> um, but yes, I agree with you from a rugby perspective and from a national perspective it, and from a leadership perspective. Uh, it, it wasn't great. Um, long story short, I think they got the right outcome in the end. They got the right bloke. He wants it to crack. It's not going to be easy. Um, there's lots of challenges coming. Um, and the issues, I think, first and foremost, uh, we've got to get more leadership, to be fair, in terms of catering for the future. We're obsessed with, with now. We need we need more people. I don't know that New Zealand rugby are working hard at it. There's a lot of good people there who care. Um, but what you tend to read about is, is, is the top end and the commercial, commercialism and all this stuff. It's irrelevant. The only thing that's important is those that play the game and those that will continue to play the game. And if, that, if you get that right, then you'll also get interest and the game will be healthy and have a future. That's the challenge for rugby, and it's, it's global, not domestic. Yeah, it is, uh, it is global, in fact, and I'd like to just briefly look at the global side of things with you, Robbie, because, of course, it is a World Cup year. Um, uh, are you confident um, the All Blacks have um, the makings of a side that can knock over a France at the moment or an Ireland at the moment because they look at the they look very very tough uh, from from our perspective. Yeah, the guys love it. Um, that's the nature of the World Cup as well, and there's so many vagaries now. There's more now than ever. Uh, you know, particularly with the adjudication of the game and, and uh, head head issues, etc. So they're going to be cards. Um, 15 on 15 is a rarity these days. So, uh, and we have ample talent 
to get that job done. But obviously, you know, there'll be elements of, of chance, elements of luck, and that's what everyone uh, <coughs> captures the interest, I guess, of everyone. Um, but the All Blacks are perfectly capable of winning it, for sure. The French do look formidable because they've got depth, and, uh, and playing at home, um, and the fact they've never won it, that hoot factor is relevant. Um, so they've got a good blend of, of depth, of belief, courtesy of the recent history of playing at home, you know, and we've, we've experienced that. Um, and the fact that they'll believe the stars are aligned, uh, which is critical with the, the psyche of the French. They believe the stars are aligned, nothing will stop them. But they do have a history of getting in their own way as well, so how they manage the minds will be key, but I think Gautier is doing a good job for that end. Yeah, he has. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, a side that you had a, a long association with as well, um, and the Wallabies have had a, a, a change at the top as well. Dave Rennie out, um, Eddie Jones uh, in after losing his gig at England. So, man, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, job that you guys do. Um, and even at the very top level, there's no prisoners taken. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, jo- Eddie Jones and the Wallabies, uh, what, what about them um, under his um, regime? Oh, he'll get he'll get an immediate lift, immediate shift. There's no doubt, and just the excitement of a World Cup um, creates that anyway. But combined with that injection, yeah, they'll throw everything at it. I, I don't think they'll ultimately succeed uh, because they lack the depth. An outfit like um, France, South Africa, and and New Zealand, to be fair, have. Um, but it's going to add to the ingredients of an exciting World Cup, for sure. Uh, Robbie, do you get home very often these days, or are you pretty and much they do have up a, there? They do have a, have a good run, actually, too. They're tools, very favourable the Australian. Sorry, what's that, mate? Home, um, not as often as I'd yeah. like. Um, and it's probably less, less and less. Um, our three children live in Sydney currently, and we've got grandkids and so forth, so... Less and less, but um, we'll always come, come home um, for many reasons. I'm looking forward to playing a bit of cricket, actually, in the near future. Um, something that's been denied to us COVID over the last few years. So, yeah, always get back, mate. Home, home. It, what are you, are you a Valley of Peace sort of a bloke, or are you um, not quite that way? <laughs> you play there, have you? Yeah. <laughs> um, no. I like something a bit more challenging, mate. Um, <laughs> so, Willow, if you haven't been to Willow, you need to, you need to see it. It's a great venue just north of Christchurch. Um, and I've had a couple of runs for it. I was, I was, I was in the back out of Camden in Sydney, and we were actually touring with a, a combined team in June to the UK. So, looking forward oh, to that. That's... Fantastic, Robbie. Hey, hey, it's been great to catch up with you. Um, all the best with your game of squash in about an hour's time and um, uh, against Toddy tonight. That'll be an interesting matchup. We'll keep a, a, an eye on that. Uh, uh, thanks for your time, mate. R- real pleasure to catch up and uh, go well. No trouble. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Robbie Dean's there uh, out of Japan. Yes, uh, his side playing um, the to- uh, team coached by Todd Blackadder tonight. That is uh, Toshiba.
Um, and uh, Toshiba have to win that to make the finals for the Wild Knights. They win that, uh, and they get a, an automatic home semi-final. And uh, on the basis of four and a half years of success, uh, I know where my money would be at this point. It is uh, 11.20 here on SENZ. Um, always tough to get stuff out of Robbie Deans. Always very stuffy, uh, tough. He can just... You can see him sort of thinking about the question while he's answering it. Um, I always enjoyed that when you interviewed him on uh, television because you knew, unless he was really, really angry, and he's a fairly mild-mannered guy most of the time, you weren't going to get too much and you had to prize it out of him. But, uh, yep, that's Robbie, 11.21 here on SCNZ. Burton Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Listen, he's come in for a lot of criticism over the last couple of years. <laughs> there is a part of me that does feel a little bit sorry for him because I'm with you, Ricardo. I don't think he's at the calibre of a Man United player. Ultimately, that's not really his fault. He didn't sign himself. He didn't pay £80 million for himself. So with that comes such a big added pressure. And, you know, he's, he's coming to the club. People are looking at the likes of Vidic, Ferdinand, Bruce, Pallister, Yapsna, all these brilliant centre-backs that Man United have always had. And then you pay the same money or just even more money than that you pay for Maguire and you did for Van Dijk. And you look at what he's achieved over the similar time period. And there's all these constant comparisons and he's judged so highly and, and I, I just don't think he's capable of, of anywhere near them level. So, you know, like I say, part of me does feel a bit sorry for him because I, I feel if he played to, I don't know, maybe a, a slightly lesser club like a Tottenham or obviously he was already at Leicester. What? A slightly lesser club that? like Tottenham. Uh, so that was Scott was... Wooden, the, uh, the centre-back for the Wellington Phoenix. He's talking about Spurs as a. It's talking from the Phoenix, talking down about Spurs. Is <laughs> yes, that what he's saying? Yes, that's what he. He was talking about Harry Maguire at Manchester United, and saying yeah. uh, that he, yeah, he, he feels a bit sorry for some of the stick he's taken, but he's just at the end of the day not uh, not good enough for the level. Uh, and then went on to say, you know, he'd probably be okay at a smaller club like a Tottenham. Good God. I'm not. Oh. I thought <laughs> you'd enjoy he, that. He's one of those guys that should play well, actually, from here on in, eh? Uh, yep. Otherwise, we'll be taking a very close look at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Smithy. Right. He's done you the dirty, isn't he? <laughs> he done me the dirty there. What else is on your list there today? What, are, what have you got up your sleeve? Well, it's another uh, great footballing story, actually, Smithy, uh, around Wrexham. Of course, welcome to Wrexham. We've talked about a few times. Ryan Reynolds, uh, Rob McElhenney own that club and they've invested money into it. And there was the the big Disney documentary. I think they're doing a second season. They look odds on now. They've just beaten Yeovil Town 3-0. Uh, they just need three more points from the last two games to, uh, to guarantee them as champions of the fifth tier. And it'll mean they're in League 2 next season, which is the fourth tier, and in the football leagues, as they've called. Uh, but Hal Robson Kanu is a former Welsh international. He scored for Wales uh, in the quarterfinals at the Euros back in uh, 2016. He played for West Brom and Reading in the Premier League as well. He retired young. He's still only 33, Smithy. And he put out there two days ago that he is willing to come out of retirement and play for Wrexham in League Two next season. And he will donate his entire salary to a charity of the fans' choice. Really? Yeah, that would be that would be significant too, wouldn't it? 
You would think so. I mean, he's, a, like I said, a former Welsh international, a former Premier League player, playing in the fourth tier. He's, he, he could probably command a pretty penny. Um, so depends what... Uh, Michael Henney and Reynolds are, are willing to pay him, but they are investing in uh, players who have played that level before. I mean, they had an injury to their goalkeeper uh, about two, three months ago, and um, he was going to be out for about eight weeks. And Ben Foster, former Manchester United and England keeper who only retired last year, he's uh, just turned 40. He's come out of retirement to play, uh, finish the season for Wrexham, and in their big title decided with Notts County, saved a 95th minute penalty in a 3 2 win. So they've They've looked at that, and uh, I think there's probably uh, some some water to go under the bridge on this one. Okay, right. I've got a text in uh, just here from uh, Yvonne to say, Smithy, SBHS 15, AGS, AGS 5, or that that, that could be, uh, what, Auckland? Auckland, Auckland Grammar, Grammar School and Southland Boys High School, I take it, because isn't Yvonne at down that quarter, way? At the quarter water break here on the immaculate SBH Yes, number one field, Yvonne. Just, can you just elaborate a wee bit more so we can um, inform a, a few more people about that? Uh, we're just trying to fill in the gaps here. We're assuming it's Auckland Grammar School at the quarter water break uh, here on the Immaculate SBHS number one field. Yvonne, uh, we'd love to give her a, a more detailed upbreak, uh, um, update on that. If you could just uh, give us a, a little bit more information, we'll do just that. It is uh, 11.30, Ricardo, here on uh, SCNZ, and that means we've got $100 to give away to someone for the weekend in terms of a TAB bonus bet. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. Uh, get on the phones now. Brian waiting, is waiting for you. I can see he's poised. Uh, Ricardo will be the quiz master this morning. Uh, Brian's probably written the questions, which means they will be diabolically hard and uh, we'll try and uh, answer them uh, or at least if I can't then uh, someone will be uh, the beneficiary of 100 smackers it's 11.31 Ian Smith's had a good match here Stumped by Smithy Ian Smith really is top class at his job Time for Stumped Smithy, how you feeling mate? Friday? Yeah pretty good Pretty good. I wouldn't mind Taking it up to a one fifty actually come Monday, give me something to look forward to over the weekend. Uh, but we'll see. It'll be tough. Um, and um, I can see the board lit up very, very quickly. So uh, a lot of people very keen to get their hands on it. Uh, so who are we lined up first, Ricardo? We've got Ben from Christchurch, mate. Ben, uh, Smithy has thrown the gauntlet down. He wants us to go to one fifty. So he's, he's looking sharp. How are you feeling? Pressure, pressure on you. Good. Yeah, keen, keen to have a go. What are your specialist subjects, Ben, so we can just cross them off the list? If you had a preference. Maybe I should uh, try and bluff this a wee bit. Uh, maybe swimming? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention the swimming. <laughs> okay. Rightio, Ricardo. What, what are we, what are we uh, talking about today? What are we um, okay. surmising over? All right, Ben, you can go uh, baseball, golf or football. Oh, probably. Uh, I'll give golf a go. Golf it is. All right, here we go. First question for you is the winner of the PGA Tour's RBC Heritage pocketed a cool 3.6 million US dollars and it came down to a playoff. Can you name the winner of the playoff? Oh, no, not really. Uh... I'm just going to have to go with Scott Scheffler. 
one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That was the tournament before. Smithy, do you know? Yeah, I do. Absolutely do. Um, it was uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick who beat Jordan Spieth, I think, on the third playoff hole, third time going down 18. So Matthew Fitzpatrick, the Englishman, I'm sure, uh, was the winner in the end of the, T, uh, of the Heritage, the TBC Heritage. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Nicely done, some of the unlucky, Ben. Oh, good. Cheers, boys. Have a good weekend, mate. Should have, uh, should, should have gone for swimming. <laughs> uh, Smithy's still smack talking Scott Wharton's fired him up with that Spurs call <laughs> yeah, he definitely is uh, we go to Greg in Auckland now g'day Greg yeah morning how are you guys good mate how's your golf knowledge oh yeah average average alright mate here you go question two where does Steve Elker sit on the PGA Tour Champions leaderboard oof yeah you might have to clarify that. You're talking about overall rankings or a tournament today? Uh, no, it says, where did Steve Elkis sit on the PGA Tour Champions leaderboard the season? For the season. The season. Okay. Um, so I think he finished top last year. Um, I guess it's the season. Oh, I'm going to guess seventh. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not seventh. Smithy, do you know? He'd be behind Stricker. He'd be behind uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Harrington. He's probably behind Bernhard Langer as well. Um, but he's still been pretty consistent. I'll, I'll say he's either fourth or fifth. I'll go fourth. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. He is tied second. What? He's tied second at the moment. So there you go. Huh? Uh, that means okay. that you are still alive, Greg, and it comes down to this. The LPGA's first major of the year is set to take tee off uh, tomorrow New Zealand time with Lydia Koju up around 1.20am. If Lydia wins the tournament, it will mark a huge achievement in her career and the game of golf. Besides the money, trophy and plaudits, what significant achievement is Lydia Ko up for if she wins the Chevron Championship? Ooh... Um, Don't blame me. I didn't write it. No, nah, yeah, fair enough. Um, and I should, I, I should clarify this to you. Uh, to be perfectly honest, that tournament has started. So Brian wrote that question yesterday. That tournament has started. Lydia Ko is uh, one under after the first round, four shots behind the leader. Okay, so uh, she's one under, four shots behind. But should she win? Should she get up and win? That's the uh, the essence of the question. What uh, will she be accorded? I think is the the right term. Is so something to do with the record number of. Come on, Greg. Can have a record a record number of major wins for somebody under the age of. I know what's your age these days. Um, under the age of thirty. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket. Mate, it's a valiant effort, but it's not right. It's a valiant effort, but not well, right, I, Smithy. I think she's one or two points away, and if she wins this, she gets them from being inducted into the Golf's Hall of Fame. Is that That's correct? The chips down the wicket, right in the slot. Well, indeed it is. LPGA Hall oh. of Fame admission if she gets this. So there you go. Smithy, 150 on Monday. You got your wish. 
Well, um, there were questions I knew, so uh, that helped me out a wee bit, um, or barring the second one with Stephen Elka, but uh, this is significant, very significant for uh, women. And you're probably quite right, Greg, in terms of age. Um, she has uh, broken all records in terms of age. She's won more major, or she will win of, in terms of her age, and I think she'll probably be the youngest ever inducted into um, a Hall of Fame for golf, I would be thinking. So you're close, Greg, but unfortunately uh, uh, you left the ring up Monday morning. Have a terrific weekend, mate. Good to go. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Greg from Auckland there, who uh, was unable to get it right. But we did. Uh, finally, we got it right. So we're up to 150 bucks on Monday. We uh, seriously look forward to that. As we do, a chat every Friday with our next guest. That, of course, is uh, Michael Guerin. Uh, Michael's uh, involved heavily with the harness racing industry. Some big races tonight, um, to be fair. Some very, very big races tonight. Uh, and uh, we shall be talking about to him about Alexandra Park and uh, the rest of the weekend in terms of racing here on SENZ. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Always look forward to this segment uh, in the show every Friday at the same time because uh, it gives us uh, a real indication as to what's going on in the harness racing industry. But not just that, uh, about the, all the, the shows you can look forward to uh, over the weekend. Uh, and I'm talking our conversation with uh, Michael Guerin because tonight is a very big night at Alexandra Park. There's uh, also grass track uh, harness as well at Geraldine. Uh, but tonight there's Group 2 and Group 1 action, Lyle Creek Stakes and Dawson, Harford Limited, Taylor, Mile Pace as well. Uh, Michael, for you to look forward to, I'm sure, with great feels. Yes, Millie, good morning to you. Good morning to your listeners. Um, before we touch on the harness, I'm, I'm somewhere, Smithy, which is one of your spiritual homes. I'm actually out on the track at Ellerslie. Now, Ellerslie has been right. obviously totally refurbished and they're putting in a new track. So I'm here for our, our galloping show on Trackside Way and doing a, a big feature article on it. It is fascinating, Smithy. Fascinating because obviously the entire track has been pulled up. Uh, it, it's unrecognisable and it's quite remarkable the footage and all the detail of Paul Wilcox about what's happening in Ellerslie, how much how much work has gone on, a hundred people on site in their high-vis vests. Um, Pretty fascinating stuff. So you'll be able to catch that on weigh-in on Monday or on YouTube to see exactly where Ellerslie is at and when they are going to be back in business. And what sort of money we're going to talk about. So a little bit of a galloping segue there. Yes, Harness tonight is about two kilometres from where I'm standing at. That's Alexandra Park. And But copy that. Won the race by Grins last week. It's incredibly hard to make a case against him not repeating that tonight because he's in the Taylor Mile for $90,000. He's drawn barrier two, and he would seem likely to lead. And over a mile, I doubt there's much time for others to pressure him. So copy that could well make it two feature race wins in a week. And in the major trot tonight, the Lyle Creek, um, similar tactics expected from Muscle Mountain. He's missed the race last week at Cambridge. He's expected to come up here and lead tonight. Indications from the early leader, Majestic Man, from their team, they're pretty keen to take a trail this week. Could well be, Smithy, a lead and win evening uh, for the good horses at Alexandra Park. And they've both been heavily, heavily backed in with the bookmakers and the multi-bets. Copy that and Muscle Mountain, the two highlights, potentially, 
of a big night at Alexandra Park as we roll into another feature race in the next Friday and about a month away from the Auckland Cup. So Auckland Harness, which has had a stagnated last year for a variety of reasons, Smithy, and getting pretty serious over the next five or six weeks. Right, okay. Uh, there's a bit of a match race there too, is there? Any chance out of Baron Zeus? Any chance at all? I don't think so for Barrier 8. He didn't show enough gate speed last week to cross to the lead, and I just can't see a horse coming from behind Muscle Mountain to beat him. He's such a good horse, and he's such a fast horse. So I reckon he's got a chance of beating him at some stage when he gets in front of him. But in harness racing, you know, when the good horses get in front, it's incredibly hard to beat them. So I've taken the yeah. multi. It's uh, now shortened up a touch, but Muscle Mountain copied that. One of them could get beat. I think copied that's more likely to be in danger because there's more potential pressure in his race. But I, I do think, Ian, all things being equal, I'll probably both win. All right, uh, Michael, let's look at uh, the shows over the weekend. Of course, um, still racing on both sides of the Tasman in terms of uh, the Gallops. Pukekoi and uh, Rickerton tomorrow. Yeah, it's raining in Christchurch, so Rickerton's going to be really interesting. They could well get to a heavy track. We'll have those updates in the morning because it's also spitting in Auckland. Now, Pukekohe had the last feature and there's three black tie places there tomorrow. And the track will be good at the moment, Smithy, but if it rains overnight, that could really change. So from 8 o'clock in the morning, myself and Louis will be talking to the track managers and the trainers, but most importantly, to update you with that track stuff then find you some winners. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, the boys kick into the good oil. You can join the punters club there. It's a more irreverent way of listening and watching to the races uh, on a Saturday afternoon. And then on Sunday from 11 o'clock, Greg O'Connor and I are on for Trot's Talk. It's Diamond Day at Invercargill. So that's their big race day of the year, or one of their two big ones. Diamond Day at Invercargill. The whole show is going to be based around that and talking to trainers and drivers down there in the deep south will be a big day. So plenty of racing coming up on SENZ over the weekend. And, yeah, crucially, those weather reports kicking in tomorrow morning for Pukekabe's last day of what's been a remarkable summer for them. Smithy, who would have thought Ellerslie could close for a year and we would still have the high-class racing Pukekabe's been able to put on for us uh, in the last five or six months? Yeah, it's come up well, actually, Pukekohe Park. I think they've done a terrific job there. Um, a lot of people were also wanting to know um, how did Louis, uh, Louis Herman Watt go behind the wheels um, on the way down last weekend because um, there's all sorts of conjecture about top, top speeds and things like that. There's all sort of conjecture. He, he was very responsible. Well, I, I would say we might have touched 110 at one of the stages where you're allowed to touch that. But no, Louis and I had a roadie. It was, a, it was just great fun. A roadie to the race by Grins last week at Cambridge. And look, they did a fantastic job down there at Cambridge. But yes, Ian, as responsible broadcasters and responsible members of the community, uh, we weren't doing anything silly in the Aston last, uh, last Friday, uh, as tempting as that may have been. <laughs> You're a legend, mate. Absolute legend. Uh, hey, hey, have a terrific weekend, man. Uh, enjoy uh, the, the rest of your little tour around Ellerslie as well. I'll be watching Wayne come Later. Monday. Thanks, it, man. Cheers, mate. Um, it'll be fantastic too, this new Ellerslie course. Don't you worry about that. Um, when they get up and running, uh, all the facilities there, it'll be a genuine hub. Um, probably looking to host more and more meetings up there in that area where the people are. You've got to take the racing to where the people are. Uh, and so Ellerslie, I think, um, will, will be, uh, I think, a much more frequented racetrack. And let's hope with those new facilities, uh, everything pans out nicely for the horses and the trainers, etc. Uh, people support it. Uh, I've seen it work, um, you know, I've seen it work in Hong Kong. Uh, you, and it is fantastic. There are lots of meetings there, but 
Uh, population base, of course, is probably stronger, but uh, then again, so is the passion for the game, and uh, certainly there's plenty left uh, around New Zealand to exploit. It is uh, 11.52 coming up here on SENZ. Uh, I think we'll have a chat to Sam Hewitt, shall we, Be, uh, because uh, it's Friday and uh, it's his show again, and uh, he's got some interesting stuff coming up.